It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study testing testing and you're on the weekly uh, <laughs> gathering that we call the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for being here tonight. It is Thursday evening, uh, November 4th, 2010. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Looking forward to a good study tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, we think we've got a good topic, and we hope we can get a lot of participation from our listeners. We always think that our program is better uh, in direct relationship to how much feedback we get from our listeners directly uh, proportional that's right and we want to we want to encourage that this is an internet bible study group and so your participation in it is very important to us we hope you'll get involved tonight all tell right. them how jacob all right you get in touch three ways with us tonight uh, over the phone and it's toll free we pay the bill 877-381-4567 you can email us as well at questions at collegeview.com or you can join in the list with other listeners in our chat room tonight if you're watching our video feed it's not on Ustream anymore. It's there. If you're watching at Ustream, we encourage you to follow the instructions that are on your screen. We have a new video feed. It's located at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. To the right of the video player, if you go to thevirtualbiblestudy.com, there will be a banner at the top that says, Watch Us Live. Click on that. You'll go and you'll see our video. To the right of that, you'll see a chat room, and you can join in with other listeners. You don't have to log on, but you can give us a username if you'd like. It'll be down in the bottom of that chat window where it says edit nickname. You can give yourself uh, a... You can tell us your real name or you can give us a nickname if you want. You can right. tell us your location if you want. Uh, we, we would encourage you to get some kind of a username. Just just give us a pseudonym or a nickname uh, so that we can keep track of who's making comments there. If, if you notice, if you just start using it, you get assigned a, the name guest plus about a five-digit number. And that's real hard to keep track of. So we, we would encourage you to uh, you get get yourself a nickname of some kind so we know who's talking. All right. Aaron in Houston has done that, I think, as you were speaking. So Thank you, Aaron. Uh, we appreciate it. to have Aaron there, and we'll look forward to hearing from you as well. Uh, give us a call. Send us an email. Join in the chat room tonight. As we have an important study tonight, Dad, and uh, this is something I think that a lot of churches are asking themselves. What are some priorities that we ought to set? What are the right priorities for the church? We talk about priorities a lot, Jacob, and rightfully so. And almost always when we're talking about priorities, we're talking about individual priorities. What you as a Christian should be prioritizing, what I should be prioritizing. And that's very important. It can't be diminished. Uh, and in fact, Christians who are not thinking along that line, who are not setting goals and priorities for themselves, are almost certainly not getting the job done that God wants them to be doing as his servants. So we need a lot of personal, individual prioritizing. And and so we're not diminishing that at all. We've talked about such things in the past on the virtual Bible study, and no doubt we'll again in the future. But tonight we're taking a little bit different slant on that. If, if, if you heard that we were talking about priorities, you'd probably assume individual priorities. But tonight, for a change, we want to talk about 
priorities for the local church. Right. Now, we, we believe, Jacob, that local congregations of God's people are absolutely independent, self-governing, autonomous is a word we use sometimes. In other words, we believe that in the New Testament there's no hierarchy of structural organization between congregations. In other words, the church here at College View in Columbia, Tennessee, does not report to some kind of a state or regional headquarters in Nashville and give them reports and then they send back instructions as to what we're supposed to we don't that's not in the bible we don't believe in it okay. uh and and the denominations that practice such are doing it without authority and so we're so here we are as an independent local self-governing autonomous congregation what should what should be our priorities how should we prioritize our work as we work together in congregation that's what we want to talk about tonight all right so you're not saying that we're going to just lay out the law and everybody has to follow this but we're going to go to the bible you think the bible does give us those priorities yeah. and in the order surprisingly enough that they should come yeah well prioritizing suggests order? by implication okay. that you got to put them in order all right by default. You, you can't have just a spectrum of priorities out there and, and they all—if they're all equal—then how do we know which one to pursue? Right. Be, they'd be—they'd be conflicting with each other. It's I not think, a priority unless there's an order to it. Yeah. Okay. And so the scriptures give us, uh, I think, some ideas as to how we ought to prioritize our work in the in the local church. The number to call is eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room with other listeners. Aaron in Houston, Texas, is in the chat room tonight. Anthony and Katie are in the chat room from Charlotte, North Carolina. So we're glad that uh, they're out there as well. Look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight as we talk about establishing the right priorities for the local church. Earlier today, you sent out some questions for our consideration. Jacob, earlier today, as you said, uh, we sent out to our update list, and we, we maintain a, a very sizable mailing list of several hundred people who are uh, listeners and participants from time to time in the virtual Bible study. And every week in, on Thursday, usually around noon on Thursday, I send out an update telling you what our topic is going to be for that night's study and asking for feedback. You can get on our list real easily. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and put in the subject line, add me to your list. We'll do it. Okay. Uh, here, here are the questions that we sent out earlier today. Number one, list the things by order of importance that should be positive priorities for a local church. In other words, we want the right, we want the priorities as they should be. Tell us what they are. Uh, give us, if you can, where you can, give us a scripture supporting your ranking as to why this is most important and why that priority exists. Number two, list some things that absolutely should not be made priority for congregations. I think it's very evident that there are a lot of churches and religious groups of all stripes who are pursuing all kinds of things that they ought not to be pursuing and making priorities that are not based in the Scripture. So tell us what some things should we should not set as priorities. And then finally, we want to talk about the subject of numerical growth because an awful lot of groups seem to have that as their number one objective. They want to get bigger. They want more numbers. What, what are your thoughts on that as a priority, as a goal? to get more numbers, set that as a priority to pursue. We want to talk about that. So those are the three questions that we suggested uh, to our mailing list earlier today. We, we uh, have got some feedback. If you have not told us yet your thoughts on those things, uh, send us an email, and uh, we'll try to include your thoughts in our discussion. Can tonight. we go to the third one first? Yeah, i got some thoughts on that one. 
Well, I'm going to wait. I okay. think we need right. to wait. Well, okay. I think we, I need to, uh, uh, we need to establish some of these other things first of all. All right. 877-381-4567. If you'd like to give your fingers a rest tonight and uh, just tell us your comments, we'd pr- appreciate that. Or if you'd like to send them via email, questions at collegeu.com, joining the chat room tonight. We've also got Danny from Greenville, I think Greenville, Mississippi, if I remember where Danny is correct. And so we look forward to hearing from Danny in the chat room tonight as well as our other listeners as we talk about local church priorities. Well, Dad, the scriptures are very clear about some things that uh, should be priorities in uh, the church, and our listeners have uh, sent in some comments about what they think the scriptures teach on that subject. Yeah, I, I would start us out, Jacob, by suggesting that the the thing that we have to set as a number one priority in the local church is that we be sound. Uh, and when we use the word sound, it is used in the sense of you know, somebody might be traveling, making a making a journey, and you get a message. They arrived at their destination safe and sound. Everything's well. Everything's the way it ought to be. Okay. They're safe and sound. Or there used to be an expression, and I don't know how legitimate it is anymore. People used to talk about something and say it's sound as a dollar. Mm. I, I don't think the dollar is very not sound. The sound that dollar dollar makes. No, no, yeah, no, no. It means it's 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 dependable. It's trustworthy. Okay. It's true to the. It's true to its. Uh, assignment or uh, that sort of thing and so i think as christians in a local congregation we need to make sure that the church is sound in all ways and there's several ways that uh, that soundness is required probably the thing that comes to mind first is the idea of soundness in doctrine Um, in titus chapter 1 verse 13 paul said rebuke them sharply that they be sound in the faith and then he said in Titus 2, verse 1, Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Okay. So soundness in doctrine is very important. Uh, unfortunately, we see a lot of people put no emphasis on that at all, but the scriptures do. Mm-hmm. we we got we to be true to God's truth. we got to follow the word. We have Sometimes we talk about Bible authority. We need authority for everything we do, and we need to be doing everything just the way God said to do it. A lot of people today think that's very fundamental or it's a fundamentalist thing to say you've got to be sound in doctrine and we're, we're you're, too open minded to be worried about that yeah you're old you're, you're old fashioned if you suggest right. such things we, as some people I, I suppose have imagined themselves to have become more intellectually enlightened than to be bound by uh, the, the, the strict uh, adherence to book chapter and verse and thus oh, saith oh, the Lord no no that, that, that really turns people off if you say book chapter and verse yeah but I believe the Bible is telling us we need to be sound in doctrine. Okay. We need to be sound in morals. In other words, if, if you had a church that was sound teaching the right truth, but the members of that church ha- had very little concern for their own morality, uh, that, that, would be, that would be a worthless combination. Okay. In the book of Revelation in chapter 2, Paul, uh, or not Paul, the, the Lord himself uh, says, to one of the congregations that, that he was addressing, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works, the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So notice that the church at Thyatira, that's the one he was addressing there, the church at Thyatira, although they had been doing some things well, had not been careful in morality, and the Lord was holding them responsible for that. So they weren't sound in morals. 
And then I'd suggest at least one more area where we need soundness, and that is in, in our commitment, our love, our dedication for the Lord. Because also in Revelation 2 to the church at Ephesus, a church which seemed to be doing a pretty good job, he said, I know, chapter 2, verse 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Here's a church that had specifically rooted out false teachers. Right. They seem to have been conducting themselves properly in, in regards to their moral conduct, but they weren't. Their, their love wasn't where it needed to be. They mm-hmm. they, they weren't. They, they were just sort of going through the motions, mm-hmm. and the Lord rebuked them for that. All right. Uh, so you have laid out some things that we must be sound in. Not only must we be sound in doctrine, book, chapter, and verse, we've also got to be sound in our morals, the way that we live our life. Again, that ruffles feathers when you claim that today. Oh, yeah. You know, if you if you teach on themes like uh, modesty or dancing or social drinking, in a lot of places, they'll just nearly run you out, uh, you know, tar and feather and run oh, you out. Uh, yes. So, but it's clear that the Lord expects that in churches, and a church needs to take a stand in moral matters. Uh, it's very important that we that we be sound in morality. All right, and uh, not only that, we've got to be sound in doctrine. We've got to be sound in our morals. We've also finally got to be, as you said, sound in our love and our dedication to the Lord. If our heart's not right, you can be sound all day long. It's not going to make a difference. Exactly right. In other words, if we're just going through the motions. Uh, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 15, um, at verse 8, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He wants our hearts. He wants our devotion to him with the heart. Uh, that's very important. So in all those things, we need soundness, and soundness has to be a priority. Uh, I think I, I would argue that that's the number one priority. If we want to prioritize things for the church, We've got to be sound in these important ways. All right, we're going to take a short break, and then hopefully we'll hear from you on the other side. 877-381. I would argue that that's the number one. 4567, questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, and South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the program tonight. We are glad that you're there, and we look forward to hearing from you over the phone, over the chat room, or over email tonight. Lots of ways for you to participate, and we hope you make participating a priority as we talk about priorities for the local church. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about priorities, but tonight we're talking about priorities for the local church. 
and and how we ought to prioritize things. We got some feedback in our email. Uh, Chris in Atlanta. Chris is in Atlanta, right, Jacob? Isn't that right? Yes, he is. Atlanta, uh, Georgia. Yeah, Chris in Atlanta says that he says evangelism, uh, ranking things, priorities by order. Evangelism, Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and twenty. Of course, the Great Commission. He says God has chosen us weak and frail vessels to spread the gospel. This is an awesome and humbling honor that we should not take lightly. I agree. But this would tie in what we were saying about soundness and doctrine, Jacob. There's no use of us making evangelism a priority if we're not teaching God's truth. If we're just teaching our own opinions or human creeds, then we're wasting our time. Absolutely. So he goes on to suggest edification. We need to build each other up because this world is after our souls. Without each other's support, we have little chance of survival in this world, Hebrews 3.13. We also need to teach others to teach others, 2 Timothy 2.2. There are many other items that could be mentioned here, but a lack of time prevents me from going into depth. Well, edification would be along the lines of what we were saying, soundness in love and dedication. We need to build each other up, that we be, continue to be strong and dedicated and then he mentions benevolence. Benevolence. We must take care of one another and demonstrate our love for others. This is how we will be known as followers of Christ, John 13, 34, and 35, 1 John 3, verse 17. The early church made taking care of other others' needs a priority, Acts 4, verses 32 and following. I think you're exactly right, Chris. We appreciate those thoughts. Okay. Uh, John, uh, Jeff, who is uh, actually behind the controls. He's our engineer tonight. Yes, he is. Uh, he has sent in his comments. We'll let him uh, give his uh, priorities, I guess, in person here. Uh, Jeff, uh, go ahead. Uh, what, what priorities do you think the local church needs to have? Well, first of all, I believe we need to be involved in teaching the laws, as we are told in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, which we know is the Great Commission. Right. Also, the act that, that is the same verse that Chris in Atlanta, Georgia provided, uh, Jeff. So you didn't cheat, did you? No. Okay, you, you got that on your own. Go ahead. Also, the act of benevolence. Okay. Acts chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Okay. And building up our brothers and sisters in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. All right, right Jeff. on, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff, for those comments. We'll let you get the phone there. We've got one coming in. Um, we'll, uh, we appreciate uh, Jeff uh, taking the time to get his thoughts together there, and uh, they do they echo what Chris has said in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Wade in uh, Hampshire, Tennessee. In Hampshire says, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, calls the church the pillar in support of the truth. This should be our first priority. The others should follow. I think that echoes what you said about being sound. It would be the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, that that uh, that you're going to be doctrinally sound, and you're going to teach it to others. Uh, teaching normally, however, if need arises, we may have to give aid depending on uh, the tragedy that strikes. I think goals are wonderful, but we shouldn't get caught up in just trying to convert numbers rather than people. And let's save that for the last comment tonight. Uh, but uh, he, Wade says you should uh, make sure you're doctrinally sound, and then you need to teach others. Okay. Uh, we've got an email from Aaron in Houston who says, Most people say that evangelism is the primary purpose for the church, but I think I'd put edification at the top. Not that it really matters. They're both important. Uh, evangelism can occur very effectively one-on-one, but God saw wisdom in creating the church specifically so that believers could assemble, encourage one another, and be led by spiritually-minded elders. That's what Ephesians 4.16 talks about. The church exists so that every part can supply something to the others to the end that we all may be edified. The second priority should be to make sure the gospel is reaching the lost, not only by what is preached from the pulpit, but by what the members do outside the assembly, so that the word of God may sound forth. First Thessalonians 1.8, From you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Caia, but also in every place. The third priority is to see that Christians are supplied with necessities of life. Acts 6, verses 1 and 2 says that this work should be done 
but that it should not distract from the preaching of the word. Mm-hmm. So right there, you could see the priority. In, in, early in the church, there was a priority in preaching and teaching over benevolence. Benevolence was not neglected, but it's clear that they prioritized there the preaching of the gospel over the work of benevolence in that specific congregation under the leadership of inspired apostles, by the way. Okay, excellent, excellent points there, and appreciate those tonight. In the chat room tonight, the chat room is busy. Let's take some of the comments there. If you're in the chat room tonight and uh, you'd like to uh, let uh, others know who you are, you can go in the lower left-hand corner of the chat window, and it says Edit Nickname. You don't have to have a username. You can call yourself anything you want. Just type it in there, and you'll show up. And so that your comments can be, we can assign a name with your comments if you'd like. Um, we have uh, Anthony in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. He says, if uh, we aren't sound in morals, then we give a bad name to the church. Katie chimes in with that. Katie, also from Charlotte, North Carolina, says, we need to be different from the world. Our morals may look crazy to the world, but we are pleasing God. Anthony responds, you represent Christ. So if we represent Christ and people see that we act of the world, they aren't going to want to be in the church. Uh, certainly, uh, that is the case. Uh, you know, that uh, I think probably a lot of reason, a lot of times we're not successful in converting the lost, teaching them the gospel, because... People don't see any difference in us. Why would they want to do something uh, that results in the same thing that they've got now? They don't see a difference because we're trying to blend in rather than trying to be different. Uh, And so uh, we appreciate those comments uh, tonight. All right. So we've got we we get we're getting started on the on the process of building an order of priority. And I would sort of combine the the things that. we said earlier about the, the importance of soundness with the several things that our listeners have chimed in to suggest that you know, we've got to be, be busy doing God's work in God's way. Uh, and that is the, the matter of being sound. So soundness is, is important. i tell you something that people have not mentioned, and I think that's, that's probably good that they have not mentioned it, and that is the business of making peace a top priority. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes that happens. People try to make peace a priority, and in doing so, they sacrifice soundness. In other words... Explain uh, that to me. Okay. You and I disagree on a matter of, of doctrine. Okay. Uh, in, this, in this case, I'm right and you're wrong. Sure, well, <laughs> okay, all right. This okay. for the purpose of illustration. In this case, I'm right and you're wrong, but I really would like... To get along with you. Okay. And so I'm willing to compromise my stand on a doctrinal issue so that we can get along. Okay. Because you're not you're not inclined to change what you're doing. And so in order just so we can be at peace, I compromise my stand on on a doctrinal issue in order to have peace. You give in a little bit. I give in. I, I compromise. Okay. And and unfortunately, some people do that. And I, I think that that's a, a huge mistake when it comes to uh, the work of the Lord. In Galatians chapter 2, we have Paul telling about a situation where he went up to the city of Jerusalem. There had been some false teachers coming out of Jerusalem, and they had been teaching a false doctrine, the, the specific issue under consideration there was the issue of circumcision. And some teachers out of Jerusalem had come out claiming that Gentile converts to Christianity had to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and keep other aspects of the law, but specifically circumcision was the big, uh, you know, uh, right point of contention. Yes, it was. And 
Paul knew that wasn't right. Paul was an inspired man. He knew that the Lord wasn't obligating Christians, especially Gentile converts to Christianity, to be circumcised. And so he went to Jerusalem not to have a, 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 a coming together, to take a vote on the thing or decide the issue. He knew before he went up there right. what the truth was. And he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 5, he went, when he went up there to those false teachers, he said, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Um, and so Paul said, uh, we wouldn't put up with that. We wouldn't put up with their false teaching, not for a minute. Why? So the truth of the gospel might continue. Paul said soundness to the gospel truth, soundness in doctrine, was more important than having peace with those people in Jerusalem. All right. Aaron in Houston has given you a verse that you need to put in your outline. James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Right. He concludes peace is a priority, but other things come first. Exactly purity right. of doctrine exactly is, right. uh, and, and purity of life and soundness, if you will, yep. is more important than peace. Exactly right. I agree with you. All right. Uh, that's, good. that's a good verse, Aaron. I appreciate it. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Join in the new and improved chat room, and you might let us know what you think about the chat room uh, tonight. Is it more user-friendly than the Ustream chat room? We can make changes to the chat room if you have any comments. We'd like to hear from you on that. Yeah, we'd also like to know if you're having any issues or you're getting the video or audio streamed tonight. You know, the chat room is a good way for you to feed back to us. We think we've got an awful lot of our issues ironed out. If you're having any problem or if you see something that's not happening right, let us know. Okay. Um, I'll tell you another thing, Jacob, that sometimes people make. Now, now having said that about peace, let's, let's go ahead and talk about peace for a minute. It's not wrong to make peace a priority, just not the top priority. It has to be a priority. I don't think it's going to happen by accident. Yeah, we've got to work at peace, and the Scriptures tell us that it, we should have it as a, as a part of our priority structure, just not the top priority. I would argue that all the things we were saying about soundness in the local church is very important, but, but I think peace would come in right behind that. We should be at peace. Uh, Ephesians 4, beginning verse 1, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul said we ought to put forth effort in the matter of being at peace. Yes. And so, you know, we got to work at it. It doesn't come accidentally. Uh, might, might look at a couple congregations, Jacob, as contrast in this matter. The church at Corinth was a church that was full of all kind of strife and trouble. Difficult, it's a difficult church. When Paul wrote to the first to the church in the letter we call First Corinthians, he talked about all the problems they had. He said, "It has been declared unto me, chapter one, verse eleven. It has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you." So there's a lot of trouble at Corinth. He said in chapter 3, verse 3, Ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? So he, he very plainly said that they were carnal in all that they were doing, and he condemned them for that. Uh, the letter goes on. We know uh, in chapter 5 they had a man who was very immoral, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, they, they hadn't dealt with him. In chapter 6 he talked about them suing one another before civil authorities, taking one another before civil authorities. Right. In chapter 11, he condemned them, they could, he condemned them because they couldn't even take the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper correctly. without yeah. fighting and fussing. Chapters 12, 13, and 14, 
He condemns them because uh, they were arguing over spiritual gifts, who had the better gift and so forth. So there were just all kinds of problems at Corinth, and they weren't getting anything good done because they weren't at peace. So uh, my point is, peace needs to be a priority in a local congregation. We need to maintain peace. It cannot be maintained at the sacrifice of soundness, but we got to work at peace or we won't be able to accomplish any good thing in service to the Lord. All right. Uh, so excellent, excellent. We, we've got to have peace. And, it's, and as we mentioned, Dad, you've got to make it a priority. You've got to work at it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 tells us we've got to forbear one another. Forbearing is not a word that you associate with something that is pleasurable, something that's easy, uh, something that you enjoy. Forbearing means it's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging sometimes for us to get along with our brethren, and that is what we're called to do. You don't say, I'm going to go on vacation and I'm going to forbear the vacation. I'm just going to deal with it. No. You, forbearing implies it's going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging. And our brethren are going to be difficult and challenging. I'm going to be difficult and challenging at times. I need to try not to be, but I'm going to be at times. You're going to be difficult and challenging at times. We've got to forbear one another. All right. Uh, when we do that and when we make peace a priority, not the top priority, not, not more important than being sound, but when we make peace a priority, look what can happen. The church at Thessalonica, Jacob, is a good contrast. to. We were talking about Corinth a minute ago. The church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 he says, as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So this church at Thessalonica was at peace. They had love for one another. Notice what they were able to accomplish. Chapter 1, verse 7. So that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. So we've talked about Corinth, a church just full of trouble, no peace at Corinth. They couldn't get anything done. They were wrong about everything. Right. Contrast them to the church at Thessalonica that had brotherly love, and you see them getting good things done for the Lord. So peace is important. So if I was going to order my priorities, Jacob, for the local church, I would say... Soundness is first, but we got to make peace a priority too. And 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 maybe unfortunately, uh, among many of our brethren, this has been neglected. Now you can't compromise to get to that point of peace, but you need to work at peace with everything that you can. You've got to endeavor. You've got to work at it. And uh, along those lines, Katie in Charlotte says again, "How will we look to the world if we're not at peace within ourselves?" Anthony responds, "Strife and anger are just signs of selfish people." You need to esteem others before yourself. Be a servant to others. And he finishes the thought, just like Jesus. And so certainly uh, we appreciate the, those comments tonight. We appreciate the comments that are going in the chat room tonight. We'll try and work them in as we go along, and uh, hopefully you'll keep sending them in. We'll try and get them worked in as the discussion goes along tonight. And send your comments or your questions to questions at collegeview.com if you'd like to compose an email to us tonight. Or if you'd like to uh, give us a phone call, we'd be glad to hear from you at 877-381-4567. We're overdue for our bullet point uh, break, uh, and at the bottom of the hour here, we'll take that point now. And we'd like for you to get on the phone, be ready to go when we get back, or send us an email. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this.
These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. You've no doubt seen those tongue-in-cheek diet guides that allow a person to eat anything and everything if certain conditions are met. For instance, if you eat something and no one sees it, it has no calories. Or if you drink a diet soda with a candy bar, the calories in the candy bar are canceled out by the diet soda. Or calories don't count if you're standing up. Or cookie pieces contain no calories. The process of breaking the cookies causes caloric leakage. Or foods that are the same color have the same number of calories. For example, spinach and pistachio ice cream. This diet plan is an obvious joke. No right-thinking person would ever believe that eating like this could result in weight loss. Yet some folks try to reason this way when it comes to sin. They seem to think that an act is not sinful as long as it is unknown to others. Or, a thing is not sinful if everyone else is doing it. Or, you're not guilty of sin so long as you can identify others who are doing things that are worse than you. Or, if you like something, then it's not a sin. Sin only involves things that you don't personally like. The Bible, on the other hand, says that sin is transgression of God's law. 1 John 3, verse 4. If a thing is contrary to God's will, it is a sin. It is a sin even if it is hidden from others, accepted by the majority, or considered less serious than other things. Sin is always wrong. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. This is Jared in Warwickshire, England. Listen to the chat from the Virtual Bible Study each Thursday night. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And we welcome you back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thank you for being on the other end of the line. We'll let you know this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about the College View Church of Christ. If you'll check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. If you have any questions about what we believe, what we practice, or if you have any questions about anything you've heard on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study or previous editions of the Virtual Bible Study, we encourage you to contact us at any time. You can use the same email address and phone number that you use to contact us when we're live. We'd love to hear from you anytime. Just get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts. We're talking about uh, priorities for the local church tonight, Dad. Lots of uh, different uh, priorities that we see in the religious world today. We believe, however, the Scripture does give the church priorities that it needs to pursue, and we're establishing the priorities from the Scriptures tonight, as well as the order uh, that those priorities, the Scripture lays out those. And uh, we talked about at the beginning of the program that soundness has to come first. We, if, we, if we're not sound, it doesn't make any difference what we do, and we really uh, won't be pleasing to God unless we're doctrinally, morally and uh, in our heart, uh, dedicated and pure uh, to the Lord. That's exactly right. We got to, we've got to, and several of our listeners suggested evangelism and edification. Of course, those things only work if we're teaching what's true to the lost and to those who are Christians to edify them. In in the uh, chat room, um, St says, "Has anyone mentioned the importance of teaching new converts?" And uh, uh, Danny uh, says, uh, the Great Commission says, go teach, baptize, and teach all things. So you, you, that is a part of what we need to be doing. That would that would fall into the the, the things that we have discussed okay. as being necessary. All right, absolutely, that is, that is true as well. Now, as we talk about our priorities, we talked about soundness being the first one, and you very well illustrated the scriptures teaching on that. We talked about being at peace. But uh, also the scriptures teach us that we've got to be doing things. We've got to be accomplishing things for the Lord. Uh, A lot of people are dedicated to that in the religious world today. Do something. 
yeah. do anything. Well, really, if, yeah. If, if it's a good, if, if I feel like it's good, in other words, I make a determination in my mind, this is a good work. Let's get the church involved in it. You know, and it might be anything. You know, it might, you know, it might be providing winter coats to the homeless, uh, uh, soup kitchen, or, you know, if, if, if it just seems good to me, if I get a good feeling from it, and, and I, in my mind, identify it as good, then let's get it done one way or another. The end justifies the means sort of thinking. What about that? That, In other words, should we make it a priority to do good things, you know, to however, however it takes to get it done? Well, a lot of people would say yes, but I think a lot of people would say no in uh, if we were to take it to extreme. For instance, someone says uh, we need to have a hospital to, hit, to you know to help sick people. We need to uh, we need to start the soup kitchen to to help the hungry people. And it's a good work, so we therefore we're authorized to do it. Well, would you be authorized to steal in order to fund the soup kitchen? Would you be authorized? Uh, I don't know, you know, to do other things. And that people will draw a line somewhere. And we say you've got to draw the line where the scriptures draw the line. No, it's, it's good to be doing good. But first of all, I, I, I think a point that's got to be stressed is God is the one who gets to define what is good. In Second uh, 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 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, if it's a good work, we can read about it here. Yeah. And we can be told how to get it done. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's not left up to us to decide good works on our own, what we think is good works, and it's not up to us to devise some means to accomplish that that is not spelled out in the Word of God. And we know of people in the Bible who were doing good works, so to speak, but they weren't sound good works. They were they were what someone would call good works, but the Bible or the Scriptures, God did not authorize those works. The most uh, probably apparent would be Saul in First uh, Samuel chapter fifteen, beginning of verse twenty, uh, as he is told to kill the Amalekites. He doesn't do that, and he doesn't do it. He says in order to do something that's good. In other words, he was his instruction when he was sent, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. In other words, it was typical in those days to bring back spoil from a victorious battle. Mm-hmm. You would bring back, of course, anything of value, mm-hmm. uh, material things, animals, and so forth. You would bring back captives to be made slaves. You'd loot. You'd spoil. Yeah, yeah that's what they did. And, and and the Israelites did that, too. I mean, right. there, there, were, there were many instances where they gained great spoil from gaining a victory in battle. Mm-hmm. But in this case, they were told, don't bring back anything. Destroy everything. Right. So... When uh, Saul comes back from the battle, of course, they'd been victorious. But when they come back from the battle, here they come bringing stuff. Yeah. And they weren't supposed to. Imagine that. And, and, and Saul tried to justify it, Jacob. That's right. He's, and uh, the people took the spoil, the sheep, as we begin reading in 1 Samuel 15, beginning verse 20. Uh, sheep and oxen, the chief things of the, uh, which uh, should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal, Saul says. And Samuel replies, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Samuel tells Saul, and he's telling us as well, that you've got to be doctrinally uh, sound. You've got to be doing what God tells you to do. doesn't matter what you want to call a good work. doesn't matter uh, what uh, you think you can accomplish. If you're not doing it like God said to do it, don't waste your time. Well, 
let's assume that we could believe Saul when he said we intended we intended all this stuff for a great sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point in his life, he was already having all kind of moral issues. But let's say he was telling the truth. We brought all this spoil back here because we intend to have the biggest sacrifice ceremony that's ever been known in the history of time. It's going to be big, and what a good thing that will be. Yeah, and. Samuel said, we'll probably, "We could use it as an outreach, as a as a as a community outreach for <laughs> this big." Like, uh, like you, you always bring up that church in Nashville that has the wild, fireworks on the Fourth of the July, cat, or the or the wild yeah. game feast. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and so that's sort of what Saul's saying. Man, this is going to be something like nobody ever saw yeah. before. I mean, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be all inspiring. This sacrifice people similar. are going to want to come. Yeah, and Samuel says, "The Lord uh, desires obedience more than the burning of sacrifices." Samuel said it's more important to be right, to do it right, to, to, to follow God's instruction than to devise something in your own mind that you imagine is a good work and try to get it done that way. Okay. All right. Uh, he's not the only example we have, though. Uh, sadly, there are going to be many on the Day of Judgment who are in the same predicament that Saul was. They did not heed Samuel's instructions. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 22, Jesus describes that day. It's going to be a sad day for some. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils in thy name done many wonderful works? Dad, here's some people on the day of judgment says, look at the good works that we've done. Look at all that we've accomplished. Surely, Christ, you're going to be pleased with that. And he responds, and while profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Iniquity is a $5 uh, religious word. Why don't you break that down? For well, it just some of the newer translations will use the word lawlessness. They they were doing their deeds without authority. They weren't following the law of God. In other words, they they said we've been doing great good things, but Jesus said, "I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity or lawlessness. You're doing your deeds without authority, and it can't be justified." All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com, or you can join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. If you have comments that you'd like to share with us on the program, and so we appreciate the comments we've gotten so far. We look forward to your other your comments. Uh, we need to work some in from the chat room. Anthony in South in uh, North Carolina uh, says uh, he references James one verse twenty seven. Pure religion and unfiled before God and the Father is this: to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, to keep himself unspotted from the world. Talks there about uh, some of that soundness that we were talking about and uh, needing that pure religion according uh, to what uh, God has revealed within his word. Um, and so we appreciate those comments. Um, we've got uh, Old Man River. I think that's Danny. That is Danny. Uh, he references uh, keeping saints and keeping souls as priorities with the election of elders. In Acts chapter 11, verse 29, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined uh, to send relief unto the brethren which were at Ju- which dwelt in Judea. Uh, and so uh, he's referencing there some benevolence that needs to be a priority. In Romans chapter 15, verse 26, he references that as being a verse that teaches us another priority. Uh, for it has pleased uh, them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Again, talking about the benevolence there. So appreciate uh, those comments as well. If you're in the chat room tonight and you don't have a username, we'll remind you, you can edit your nickname in the lower left-hand corner of the chat window. Maybe you could just let us know where you are tonight. Uh, we have Sharon in uh, South Carolina. So North and South Carolina represented on the program tonight. We got, uh, I think this is Anthony in Columbia said he's late getting here, but he's not getting the feed. I don't know what's wrong with that. Anybody else having trouble, send us a note in the chat room or send us an email. But it seems like everybody's doing 
doing pretty good looks tonight. Looks like it's working on your screen over there. So yeah. I'm monitoring it on your screen. Yeah. So, uh, Anthony, that may be that may be an issue there with you. Of course, you. he can't hear you say that it's not. Yeah. Sorry, Anthony. Can't <laughs> hear you. It would be nice if you could hear that, Anthony. Uh, all right. Let's go. We're going to run out of time, Jake, if we're not careful. Let's go to the second part of our discussion. What are some things that should not be priorities for a local congregation? Chris in Atlanta says, real simply, anything that does not fall under the above three categories, he mentioned edification, evangelism, and benevolence, and if it's not in those categories, it shouldn't be a priority. I would agree with that. I believe those are the, the authorized areas of work for the local church. So he says anything that's not in those categories okay, would now, be wrong. Now, the, but we can't just define those categories any way that we please, and a lot of people are doing that. A lot of people are, are describing uh, the indoor fireworks that are held on the 4th of July. That's not a joke. That happens in Nashville, Tennessee every year. Indoor fireworks, they say, well, that's edification. That's building up our other uh, members. But that's, but it's not according to God's truth. It's, it's not, not sound. sound. It's not sound because it's it, it, it involves things that are not authorized. Okay, so evangelism, edification, and benevolence are priorities. What would be the problem with indoor fireworks as far as not being authorized? Burn the, burn the church mm-hmm. money down. It's not decent and orderly, right? Right, well. First Corinthians 14.40. It's not being decent and orderly. How can fireworks, by definition, how can fireworks inside a building be a decent and orderly assembly? Well, and that, and it's not the way that the church has been told to edify its saints. Okay, so we've got to define, uh, we've got to define the the priorities in the way that scripture has defined them to be doctrinally sound. We've got a, we got a comment on the other side here from, uh, from, from Jeff. Jeff, your comment. Well, we see in Acts, both in, uh, Acts chapter 11, and also earlier in the book of Acts, you know, that they gave benevolence to the people who needed it. But we can also do that in the wrong sense. There's stuff that the individual can do that the church cannot do. Well, there's parameters around it. Right. That's that's a good point, Jeff. We're talking about what what local congregations can do. Individuals can do things that congregations can't do. I can set off fireworks in my backyard. Uh, assuming that there's not some local ordinance against it, but and you, yeah, and it, and it may be something. And that, I might get people together to come over to have a, a and fun you, party. That might be hospitality. That may yeah. be one way you show hospitality. Yeah. That's a priority for you. Raising uh, uh, godly children is a priority for people. But the church should not be opening uh, some type of uh, daycare or something. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So there are parameters and priorities. So that's good. good comment there, Jeff. Uh, Aaron in Houston says in the email, many churches today put priority on satisfying carnal objectives with food and fun, but God did not set up the church so that we could socialize. We could do that anyway. In other words, uh, the, the church is to provide a different function. You could you could have social. You can have recreation. You can have ball teams. You can have fireworks displays. You don't have to have a church to do that. The church has a different set of priorities. Okay. 877-381-4567 is the phone number to use while we're at our next break, our last break, or send an email to questions at collegeu.com. When we get back, we go to the top of the hour. Talking about priorities for the local church, and we've got to get to that last one that you mentioned earlier. There's a there's another. What about making the last thing we want to talk about, and we'll probably spend most of our last segment talking about, what what about... The idea of making numerical growth a priority. I think a lot of groups do that. Of course, we know about the mega churches, but I think even tiny churches sometimes try to prioritize numerical growth. Let's see what the Bible says about that. Yeah, what do you think about that? Should we set goals? Should we say that we want the the church to grow 5% next year, 10%? We want to baptize three people next year. We want to baptize 30 people next year. What do you think about that? 
We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Joel Gwynn, a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful, and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the virtual Bible study tonight. We appreciate you being on the other end of the line, and we still have time to take your comments. As we talk about priorities for the local church, soundness has to be first. Peace has to be second there, and a close second, and then uh, accomplishments, doing things for the we Lord. We should be busy. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We're supposed to be busy, but we've got to be busy the right way. Yes. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, remember, the Lord said to the church at Ephesus, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. There's works that, that the Lord expected the church at Ephesus to be doing. There's works that he expects every local congregation to be doing. So we need to be doing things. Yes. But we've got to be doing things the right way. All right. Uh, and so we can't just do anything that we want, call it a good work, and expect God to be happy about that, we've talked about that on other editions of the Virtual Bible, so you might check our archives for more discussions along those lines. In the chat room, John in Oklahoma says, according to 1 Timothy 5, 1 Timothy 5, there were widows whom the individuals could support that the local church could not support. And he says, it shows a clear Bible example of the teaching that what the individual can do, the church cannot necessarily do. Not relevant to our study, but it sh- seems to show a separation between the action of the individual and the work of the church. I think that's true. All right. Good, good observation, John. All right. And uh, Danny says, be not weary in well-doing. So as we're doing these things, uh, that's a good reminder for us. We can't uh, grow weary. God uh, wants us to keep on keeping on, continue to work for him. We appreciate uh, those comments as well. All right, real quickly here before we run out of time, Jacob, what about this third question we asked? Give your thoughts on the specific goal of numerical growth as a pri- priority for the church. Well, Chris says, having a specific goal of numerical growth as a priority is misplaced. Our job is to sow the seed. God's job is to cause the seed to grow. 
Uh, he's obviously there, Jake, making reference to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, where Paul said, I planted a palace watered, but God gave the increase. Yes. All right. He, he goes on, we cannot force people to accept the gospel as the parable of the sower teaches. As long as we are diligent in offering to share the gospel and make that our number one priority, yes, even more of a priority than television and ball practice and so forth, we will see the growth. It's not up to us to set the number of baptisms. That would be like trying to herd cats. We share the gospel and let the seed fall where they may. I want to emphasize we must be diligent in sharing and not just mention church or the Bible in passing to someone and expect results. We must boldly and lovingly offer to study and share the gospel with others. Good comments. Good, good comments. Good comments. You know, it is. It would be sort of foolish for us to uh, to set goals for something that's not within our our ability to affect. Other than the fact of teaching, isn't it? Isn't it interesting that God, in His wisdom, didn't obligate us to convert a set number of people? In other words, if you are a congregation of a hundred, your obligation your obligation is to convert ten every year. Yeah. You know, He didn't set the because He knew that's not in our power. To, it's in our power to teach. It's in our power to follow His word, uh, to be sound, as we talked about tonight. It's in our power to work at keeping peace. Uh, but it's not in our power to force people to obey the gospel. So he never said we had to. Right. Uh, and I'm afraid that people have put up such a priority on the number that they're going to convert that it has affected their doctrinal soundness. Oh, sure. There are a lot of people who've compromised soundness in order to try and draw in more people. They get the church involved in all kinds of things that's not authorized in order to draw in more people. Okay. Here's what Aaron in Houston said. I believe that it's a mistake to set specific number goals for attendance or baptism because they should be beyond our control and some churches are tempted to do things they ought not in order to simply swell their numbers. And in some cases, growth simply comes from demographics, being located in an area where people are moving in and having children. But I do believe that it can be helpful to set goals for things that are within our control. How many people invited to meetings or assemblies and so forth. That, no, that's in our... I, 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 I want to invite... Ten people to our upcoming gospel meeting. I, I can set that goal. I can do it. But for me to say I'm going to get ten people to come, that's not within my That's right. He goes on and says, well, we cannot provide the increase, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. It does seem to me that if a church goes year by year with no increase, then it is fair to infer that the seed is not being sown in the field. Yeah, we might try to, we might draw some conclusions ultimately, you know, if we're not seeing any increase. Yeah. Maybe we're not doing the right, maybe we're not working hard enough or doing the right things, but we are not to make that our priority. And Aaron, uh, your thoughts are right on the mark, I think. And Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee says, I think goals are wonderful, but we shouldn't get caught up in just trying to convert numbers rather than people. Jesus said that they followed him because of the food. They were looking for the wrong type of bread. So thank you for those comments, Wade. All right. And uh, Jeff has got some comments uh, behind the controls tonight. You got it, Jeff. First of all, when... um as long as we're teaching the lost, uh, we don't have a set number, like as we've been stating. But also, we have we can do local and across the world, such as the virtual Bible study we're doing across the world. But we can do local, like going and having the Bible studies we've had in our homes. There's two different types of... You know, there's two ways we can get around the world. Right. But at least we're doing our part to help. And that is our part. Our part is to get the message out, Jeff. You're right. Exactly right. And also in Acts 2.30, Acts chapter 2, when we read about 3,000 were saved, we can't expect that nowadays. I mean, that was an extraordinary event for that time because Jesus had just been crucified. 
That was the start of Christianity. Well, uh, certainly uh, things were different then, but uh, is it unlo- is it impossible for there to be 3,000 <coughs> souls today, Dad? Or I don't think it's impossible. But it's, it's not up to us. That, as Jeff said, that was a yeah. unique situation. Yeah. We don't read about that any other time in the Bible either. Right, right, but, right. So, yeah. Right. But if we do our work, who knows what could be the result. Right, Jeff, the point is we need to teach. And then uh, however many souls are, are saved will be uh, uh, beyond our control. Exactly. All right. Thank you, Jeff, for those comments. Uh, 877-381-4567. If you call now, you can get on or you can send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. And we'll ask in the chat room tonight. We've got a good number of listeners there. Let's take a roll call. If you just give us your location, you don't. again, you don't have to be signed in to the chat room. And you don't even have to have a username if you just want to tell us your location tonight so we can tell where people are around the world. I know we've got Ohio on the line tonight, Edmond, Oklahoma, North and South Carolina, Mississippi, and we've got some in Columbia, Tennessee as well in the surrounding areas. If you'd like to give us your location in the chat room tonight, we'd appreciate it. And we got a couple of people saying they're having a little trouble getting the feed. I think Anthony in Columbia is having some trouble, and Sharon, uh, in, she's in South Carolina. She and, is. And she's having some trouble, she says. Okay. Uh, there's John in Edmond, Oklahoma, Danny in Greenville, Mississippi, Elf Aaron Houston, in Houston, Texas, Texas. Uh, Jeff from here in Columbia, right behind, behind board. our board, <laughs> okay. running our board for us. Uh, there's Anthony in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we got a we got a, a wide ranging audience out there. Thanks for joining us. You. you know, we just got a, a few minutes left, Jacob. Just a couple minutes, actually. I, I think it's kind of an interesting example. Uh, Albany, Kentucky. Uh, in the Jerusalem Church, Jeff mentioned the, the very first day that church began, there were three thousand converted. Acts two, verse forty one. They were growing rapidly in a matter of a few days. When you get to Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it says that the number of men was 5,000. And if that means literally the men, there were almost certainly an equal or greater number of women. The church may have numbered 10,000 by that point. And so we're talking about a church that was growing rapidly there in Jerusalem. But when you get to chapter 5, actually you read about the church losing numbers. In Acts chapter 5, you read about the incident with Ananias and Sapphira. They lied. The, the morality of the church was at stake. Their soundness in morals mm-hmm. was at stake because you had a couple of liars there in the church. What happened? God struck them dead. God took care of that. Uh, so God didn't say these two souls are more important than doctrinal or moral no, no, soundness. No, in other words, they didn't compromise their, their moral soundness in order to keep growing numerically. The church lost a couple of members. Yeah. But as a result of that being dealt with, in this case, God dealt with it. Notice what happened in Acts 5, verse 11. Great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And in verse 13, it says, and believers, verse 14, rather, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. So the church was growing. There was a problem. Soundness was at stake. Mm -hmm. It got addressed miraculously, divinely by God. And then the church took off growing again. Which just sort of stands as an example of, we, you know, we're not making numbers our priority. If numbers were the priority there in Jerusalem, they they would have kind of pushed that business with Ananias and fire under the rug, looked the other way, and not dealt with it. But in dealing with it, regardless of what it may have meant at that moment in numbers, God blessed their work and they continued to grow. All right, absolutely. And many, uh, I'm afraid, are uh, making numbers their goal. As you see in the religious world today, doctrinal purity has been thrown out the window. And uh, truly, the accomplishments are being thrown out the window as well because uh, they're not uh, accomplishing what God wants them to accomplish. 
and uh, their peace with God suffers as a result. Uh, they may be at peace with uh, themselves, uh, perhaps, but that likely is suffering as well because they're not maintaining doctrinal soundness. So good things for us to consider tonight. All right, I think a lot of important points, and I, I, I do think it's something that churches need to think about. Uh, what are our specific priorities for the local church? We need we need to think along those lines. All right, and we have another priority coming up at uh, here at the College View Church of Christ in the coming weeks, a gospel meeting. Starting a week from Sunday, November 14th, we've got a gospel meeting here at uh, College View in Columbia. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we hope that you can join us. We're going to have different speakers each day. starts on Sunday with Jim Walsh. Uh, Monday is going to be Rick Duggan from Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. Jim Two. Walsh is the Mount Pleasant. Uh, he often participates. Yeah, he often participates with yeah. us on the virtual Bible study. Monday is Rick Duggan from Murfreesboro. Uh, Tuesday is Eric Reynolds from Fayetteville, ten- Tennessee. Wednesday is Frank Jamerson from Florence, Alabama. Thursday is Jeff Smith, Jeff Smith from Athens, Alabama, and Friday is John Gibson from Athens, Alabama. Okay. So we got a good lineup of preachers, and we're, we've assigned them all, and maybe next week, Jake, we can give the rundown of what the topic is going to be, but we've assigned them all some very basic first principle kind of lessons. We've been having a number of neighborhood Bible studies. Jeff alluded to that uh, a moment ago. Uh, the members here at College View have been working hard to have neighborhood Bible studies, and so we're hoping that some of the visitors that have been coming to those neighborhood Bible studies will now come to the gospel meeting. We've asked the preachers to talk about some very basic first principle kinds of subjects that need to be dealt with. All right, so stay tuned next week for more details on that. And mark your calendar now to be a part of the gospel meeting here in two weeks. Uh, we'll be talking about it more, but if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area or in the surrounding area, we would encourage you to come and visit with us then or visit with us any Sunday morning, Sunday evening, or Wednesday night. You'd be our welcome guest. We appreciate you being on the other end of the line tonight. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you, Jeff, for being at the controls. And we hope that you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. We look forward to you being back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks and in the meantime, the we encourage Bible. you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.